Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Amen. All right. Let me tell you something. Good morning, first of all. I just had a shot of world-changing colada, so I'm ready to go. Good morning and welcome to the house of the Lord. Um, we talk about changing the world and I can tell you the, the guys that, we've, that you've met here, Joey, Kenny, um, so many of the people that gave their testimonies last night, Eric Gill, uh, Pastor Rivera, what other testimonies do we have? I think that was it, but Byron, come on, right? Those are changed lives, 100%, 100% taken from the pit, from, from confusion, from darkness, from chaos. We've, some, of us have been walk, some of us have been walking with the Lord for over 30 years. Um, some of us have been walking with the Lord for 30 days. Byron's testimony is fresh, right? Right out of the oven. I look at Joey's life, it's a, it's, and that, it's a miracle from start to finish. I look at Zuleika's life, George Carroll, everybody in here, if you get to know each other, and I encourage you to get to know your brothers, Paulette, Polly's mom, B, I could look around, and you guys can look around, and see that God showed up and he changed our lives. And I'm not talking about a little change, I'm not talking about something minor, I'm talking about the depths of darkness and loneliness and hopelessness, and God showed up. And God used, you know what? God didn't show up in, a, in some abstract or in some weird, spooky way. He didn't show up in some spiritual fog. He showed up through people, people that came to our lives, people who their lives have been changed, people who... Their lives have been uh, saved. Their marriages have been saved. Their lives have been saved. God used them to change us. God used them to reach us. And God changed us. So we have, we have what this world needs. And we know that this world is in need. And, and that world-changing power or, and what God's plan has already been fulfilled in our lives or, or it's being we've already seen the results and so when we talk about changing the world it's not a revolution in the in the political sense it's not a revolution or or, or in the in a social sense it's in the heart of man it's in the heart of man that that God shows up and he he changes our lives and he changes the direction of our lives and not just our lives but it affects our children and it affects our children's children. So my kids aren't going to live the same life that I, that I live because their parents know the Lord. And, and their kids are going to have grandparents and great-grandparents because my in-laws are pastors. So now my kids' grandparents serve the Lord. And when I say serve the Lord, you have to understand, if you don't understand what's the significance of that, it doesn't mean we're a member of the clergy and we have, a, you know, we have some different outfits. It means that we're walking with God. It means that God gives us wisdom, that God gives us hope, that God gives us, that we walk with God and he walks with us and we can, um, we, we have provision, we have hope, we have wisdom that God gives us that we can share with others. So God is going to change the world um, and he's going to use us to do it. Everybody who signs up, everybody who's willing. So we encourage you to believe. And we'll talk about belief and unbelief in a little while. It's kind of hard to believe such a big vision, right? We're such small people. So it's, it's hard to be really believe that vision. And we'll talk about why it's difficult and, and, and how we should react. But before we go there, um, I want to let you know that we have a 
How many of you know that a lot of marriages are in trouble? A lot of testimonies in here are people who they came seeking the Lord because, or they came to church because they were looking for answers. They were looking for a solution. Their, their life was falling apart. Their family was falling apart. And they came to the church um, looking for answers, looking for help. And we have a ministry in this church called um, Save Your Marriage. And Save Your Marriage, we, we publicize everywhere we can. Um, we've publicized, we, we've advertised on TV. You'll see our park benches. You'll see some of the cars. We have cars that are wrapped. Some of the families in the church have wrapped their cars with Save Your Marriage um, ministry on it. Because we believe that, that the family is, is near and dear to God's heart. And that God's design, God created the family. The Bible says man and woman will leave their parents and become one flesh for this reason. That they might have godly offspring. God, the reason that God puts you together with your wife is to start a family. A family that will live for him. And so it's... That's God's plan with marriage, and that's God's plan with your kids. And so we have that ministry, and Pastor Joaquin is a, you know, when, when you start to publicize that you're going to, or advertise that you're going to do something, people say, well, what are your credentials? What qualifies you to be, to help people save marriages? And you guys know marriage can get messy. I mean, not marriage, divorce can get messy, right? And you guys know that as you approach divorce, before the divorce, it gets really messy. It gets ugly. I mean, the, the, the lawyers get involved and they start sharpening their knives. And everybody starts to give bad advice. Listen, what you have to do is hide your accounts and change the name and put it in and, and rack up your credit cards. And it gets really ugly. And so, and it becomes a legal issue. And so, Pastor Joaquin... Many times they say, what qualifies you to meddle and to, to help marriages that are on the brink of divorce? And Pastor Joaquin, thank God, is a, he's a licensed, he's licensed in the state of Florida as a mediator. So he has credentials to sit between two, to come help a couple that's in dispute to come to an agreement and that meeting will have legal uh, significance. So he's a licensed mediator and today is today he's um, taking a class that he has to take to keep the certification so um, so we pray for him and we 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 know that he's he's serving the lord even if he's not here and so um so he asked me to share about um he asked me to share about the the wise men we all want to be wise men. We want to be wise women because the alternative is to be foolish. So we want to be wise. And um, so let's look at what some wise men, let's look at what wise men do when God shows up. Let's go to Matthew chapter. And as we and as kind of an as of a as a prelude to this, we were talking last night in the service, or I was sharing last night, and so was Pastor Kenny about Christmas and how the message of Christmas. We don't need to talk about what the world does with Christmas. We know that they have it all distorted and twisted. We don't need to spend time on that. But the real message of Christmas, when you think about it, is God with us. It was we we talked yesterday about Emmanuel. God with us. That's who we are. Who are we? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallel. God with us. And that's why we sing hallelujah. That's why we put it on our ringtones. Because God is with us. That's what we're celebrating. We're here today because God is with us. If you feel far from the Lord, you're going to hear about today. You're going to hear that God wants to bring you in. You might be far from the Lord. Look, at the, look here. It says, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Can we, let me see here. Can we go back to verse 1? There we go. 
Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. So these guys were from afar. And the Bible says wise men. Many of you have heard of the, some translations say the Magi. These are people from another culture. Some, and I was kind of researching this a little bit. Some people say that they, the Magi were uh, Jews who were displaced, who were in exile, and were under the rule of a different, uh, a different kingdom. And, they, and that's how they knew about the scriptures. Other people, the scriptures about the king. So some people say these wise men were Jews that had been displaced and started to um, get involved in, in astrology and, 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 and interpreting the stars. Other people say that they were Persians. So the scholars, there's, there's very few verses in the Bible about who the, magi, who the wise men were. But we know a couple things. We know they came from far away. We know that they were far from God, right? God showed up, but they were far from God. And we know that they were wise men. As a matter of fact, magi is often translated as wise men. And we see here that here, this translation says wise men. So we see that God showed up. We see that men were far from him. And we see that the wise men came looking for him. We see one other thing, but not in this verse. Uh, let's go to verse 2. So they were far away, and Jesus had been born, and they, they, in their heart, they said, where is the king of the Jews? They didn't know God. They didn't know Jesus, but they desired to know him. I've, I was speaking with some of the people at our table last night in the Christmas gala, and they said, man, I didn't fit in anywhere. I, didn't, I wasn't a Christian, and I tried different religions out, and I tried... I tried to fit in everywhere, and I just didn't fit in. I, 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 would, I would pray to God, and I really didn't know how to pray. I really didn't know what the Bible said, but I would pray because they desired God. They wanted to be with God even though they didn't know him. And so these men didn't know God. They were far away, but they sought him. They said, where is the king? Where is God? They didn't know what they were asking. They weren't asking about Jesus. They didn't know about a cross. They didn't know anything. They just said, where is God? Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? We know God, we know God is trying to reach us. Where, how do we find him? Now, this is something that wise men ask. Wise men, the fool, the Bible says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Now, I want you to notice something because many of you, many people think of atheists as sophisticated people and many people think of um and and atheists think of themselves as sophisticated people but notice that it doesn't say the fool says in his mind there is no god it says the fool says in his heart there is no god because there's a there's a knowledge that's a knowledge is is great and the bible tells you to seek knowledge but the holy spirit speaks to your heart and the Bible says the Holy Spirit convinces you of the truth. And when you're convinced of the truth, the arguments in your mind take second place to your conviction of what's right and of what's the truth and, and being able to recognize that it's God. And I can't explain it to you because it sounds crazy. It sounds crazy that you would put your heart before your mind. But that's what love does. Love doesn't calculate. Love doesn't consider the consequences. Love does what's right. The, 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 and that's what God did. And so in the same way, that's how he speaks to our heart. Because there's something greater than our understanding. Proof of that is how limited our understanding is. Every time we come up with a, the answer to a question in science, it opens up. Ten more questions. And then when you solve those ten, if you guys remember math, ten times ten is now a hundred. And, and, and a hundred times a hundred, and, and it just gets big really quick. In other words, we use our in, God gave us our intellect, but he also gave us our heart. And he also, the Bible says God breathed his spirit into man. And I pray that 
that the Holy Spirit would minister to your spirit. You have a spirit inside of you. And it's, it's that spirit that says, where is the king? So we've seen his star in the east. We've seen that God is doing something. We don't know what he's doing, but we know that he's doing something. And we've come to worship him. So we don't know. We don't have all the answers. But we know that we need to worship God. This is what's in the heart of a wise man. I don't know what I, I don't know exactly what God wants. But I know that I need God. And I know that he's supposed to be the the that he has the most he has value. Worship is to ascribe or appreciate the value that surpasses the value of everything else. So we know that that We instinctly or, or in our heart, we know we can appreciate the weight and the value of God, even though we've never seen him. Let's go to the next verse, please. So the wise men sought him. They traveled great distances. They put a lot of effort into this. It wasn't easy. When they, when they came from the east, they didn't fly United Arab Emirates Airlines, right? They didn't fly, they didn't get on, there was no turnpike and there was no B-line and I-4 to get across when they came from the east. They had to ride on camel. And, and you know what? There was no Holiday Inn on the exit. They had to sleep in a tent, pitch a tent and sleep in a tent and take care of their camels. And guess what? You didn't have Omar and the Miami-Dade County Police Department at every corner keeping you safe. You had to protect yourself. We have gotten very comfortable, and we don't have to fight to, we think we don't have to fight, and we don't have to employ efforts to, know, to find God. These guys, the wise men, These guys went through hardship, discomfort, messed up their schedule. How long would it take to ride on camel from the east? Like, let's, you know, we get uncomfortable and we have to go to Orlando in a car. And these guys were traveling for days. I don't know how long they were traveling. But they were so far away. I was reading about this. They were so far away, they didn't even know the name of the place they were from. The Bible says... One of the, I'm not the Bible, one of the, uh, one of the guys that writes about this says, if they had been from, from a region in the near area, they would have used the name of that region. If they would have been from Persia, they would have used Persia because that word is, is referred to in other places in the Bible. But these guys were just far away. It was like, they're, they're in the sticks, they're in the boondocks. That place has no name. It's way out there. And these guys were traveling, employing great effort, employing their own, Um, investing to reach God. Now, how did they know that God was there? How did these, what were these guys following? The star. They desired God. Watch this. They desired God and God gave them a sign. God gave them something to follow. So if in your heart you desire God, and if in your heart You want to be close to God? You may be far away today. You might be far away from God. But if you desire God, he'll give you a sign. He'll give you a sign to follow. These guys didn't say, you know what? We saw a star and we wonder what it means. God sent them a sign that, gave, that they knew it was God. And they said, where is the, the child born king of the Jews? They knew that it was God talking to them. We're not talking about some crazy sign like God, you know, I don't even want to come up with an example. Not, this was not something that they had to speculate. This is something where they said, where is the king of the Jews? We've come to worship him. So if you desire God, God will send you, God will speak to you. God will show you a sign. God will put a star for you to follow. And day, night, come hell, come high water, God will show you the way if you are inquiring. These guys, it says, they, they were looking 
for the king of the Jews. They were inquiring of him. And so as in their heart, the Bible says, we're not going to go there, but the Bible says, you will find me. If you're far from God, listen up, please. You will find me, he says, when you seek me with your whole heart. You will find God when you seek him with your whole heart. If you ever wonder why you haven't found God, seek him with your whole heart and you'll know the answer. So they saw this sign and then what did they do? They packed their bags. They responded. So God, wise men. We're talking about wise men here. Wise men and wise women, they desire God. They seek God. God gives them a sign and they start walking. And it doesn't matter what price they have to pay. It doesn't matter if their life is in danger. It doesn't matter if, they're, if it's a long trip. It doesn't matter what the cost. We've come to worship him. I want what's on the other end of that sign. I want what God has for me. I want to be close to God. And some of us are already Christians. And how many of and we know that God leads us, right? We know that God speaks to us and God leads us. I remember we were in a class with, uh, with Yoa, and Yoa said, how do I know? I want to obey God, but how do I know that he's speaking to me? And I said, you'll know, brother. You'll know. That's all I can say is that it's the Holy Spirit's job to make sure you know. I don't remember if it was the next day or the next week, which would be the next class. He said, man, you're not going to believe this. Remember I was asking you, how do you know? I had this big decision to make, man, and it was crazy. You know, everything said not to do it. Every, everything told me I shouldn't do it. But I knew that God wanted me to make that decision. And he knew. And so God, it's God's job to speak to you. It's God's job to show up. You have to desire it with all your heart. And you have to seek him and God will lead you. Amen. Amen. That's the faithfulness of God, that he shows up when we seek him. Now, here's the thing. God leads his people, but his people don't always follow. And sometimes we get stuck. And, and the Bible gave the Jews in the Old Testament as an example. And it said, it, it says, they're an example for you that you might not fall into the same trap, into the same snare. So sometimes you get stuck along the way. The Bible says you'll find God when you seek him with your whole heart. Even if you're a Christian, that's not just about finding God when you're far away. It's about following God in where he's leading you. Many of us want to do God's will and we get stuck sometimes. You have to seek him with your whole heart. That means everything else is second place. Paul said... Not that I, I haven't made it there. The star is guiding me, but I haven't made it. I haven't arrived at my destination. But one thing I do, forgetting all that's behind and stretching towards that, that which is ahead, I press on to lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of me. And God has laid hold of you for something. And you need to press on. And you need to press on with your whole heart. If you wonder why you're stuck if you wonder why you can't get out of the rut, ask yourself if you're seeking God with your whole heart or ask him if you're seeking him with a, ha with a half-heartedly. The Bible has verses on that. We're not going to share about that, but I'll remind you of the verses where he says, uh, Oh, that you were... You are lukewarm. Oh, that your heart is lukewarm. It's indifferent. I wish that you were hot or that you were cold. I wish that you'd either love me or hate me. But because of your indifference, I will vomit you out. God wants us. We, we have to fight against our indifference. And we, and it's we get comfortable. And we get, we get comfortable and we don't want, we don't like when they ruffle our feathers. But... We can't get comfortable. If you want, if you want.
to do God's will and if you want to go on with God, you need to press on with your whole heart, even if it means, well, no matter what the price. You want God? Go for it. You'll find him, but pay the price no matter what. Let's go to Matthew 2, verse 3, please. Watch this. When Herod heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering all the chief priests and the scribes, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of, Ju of Judah, are by no means the least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who shall shepherd my people Israel. This is really interesting. When Herod heard that God had showed up, he got troubled. Even Herod believed. The Bible says, you may not believe. The Bible says that the demons believe and tremble. Herod got worried. He said he got concerned when he heard that God had showed up. And he said, and then what did he do? He inquired of the scriptures. Go find the chief priests. Go find the, the scribes, the people who know God's word. Find out what the Bible says. This is what Herod did. And then look what, look what, uh, what, the, what the scripture says. The second half of verse 6. Judah, out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. So God is showing up. What does God want to do? Two things. He wants to rule in your life. Make no mistake. God wants to rule in your life. He wants to be number one. He wants you to turn over authority of your life to him. But the second thing it says, why would we do that? Why would we give over our life? The Bible says, the ruler who will shepherd my people. You know what a shepherd does? He gives his life for the sheep. He leads me beside still waters. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Yea, though, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. God wants to shepherd you. You want God? You'll find him. This is what God wants to do. Remember we said God gives you a sign. He doesn't leave you confused. So God is telling you today, this is what I, not only I want you to seek me, not only I want you to find, not only will you find me, but I'm telling you what I want to do with you. I want to shepherd you. What is, what is it that God wants for me? What is, my, what is God's plan? Is it for me to be the, 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 the youth? Is it for me to be a nurse or an accountant? Who am I supposed to marry? Am I supposed to go be a missionary? He wants to shepherd you. God wants to shepherd you. That means he, he's the ruler. He has ultimate authority. But he uses that authority to bless your life. He uses that authority in some cases to save us from ourselves. How many of us have made some bad decisions? And we wish somebody would have saved us from ourselves. You ever made a decision where after you say, man, you should have told me that was going to happen. We're gung-ho about our plans, and God is trying to save us from ourselves in many cases. So God wants to shepherd you. He wants to make you to lie down in green pastures. You don't even know what that is. You don't want green pastures. You want to go 100 miles an hour going nowhere fast. Think about this. Going nowhere fast, going 100 miles an hour, but you're not, going, you're not getting anywhere. And worse, sometimes God allows us to arrive and we say, is this all there is? But when instead of chasing after our desires, we let God shepherd us, we let God guide us and lead us beside still waters, then we may not even know where we're going, but we know who we're going with. And we live, we live with God. So God will guide you. God wants to guide you. The question is,
These wise men, they saw the sign and they followed. What is God telling you? What has God been speaking to you? Are you following the sign? Are you following the star? Lord, I want to do your will. God shows you what it is. For whatever reason, we decide not to do it. But God has shown you. Are you being wise? Are you a wise man or am I a wise man or am I a fool? Well, that's answered based on whether or not I'm seeking God with all my heart and whether I'm following his direction. God will direct your steps. I'm, you hear my voice break up every once in a while. And it's because when I tell you God will direct your steps, I have, you know, flashbacks of my life where God has directed my steps. And I look around and the people here and it's the same thing. We're not talking about religion. We're not talking about something fake or some ceremony. We're talking about the God, God with us, a real God with us that directs our steps. And we doubt. We have doubt in our hearts sometimes. And we, we're weak. And, and in the Bible, men have said, Lord, help my unbelief. I believe. Help my unbelief. God will direct your steps, but follow him. When he, when he directs your steps, be wise. Be wise. I don't know where we're going so fast. I don't know where, what we're chasing so, that's so important that, that we lose sight of what we put it in front of obeying God. We put it in front of what God is showing us. God directs his people. God directed the wise men who were far away from God and brought them to him. If you're far away from God, this is not a coincidence that you're here. You might be trying to make sense. How does this apply to my life? Listen from your heart and, you, and, you won't, you, and, and it'll be a silly question. God brought you here today and God is telling you that he sends you signs when he wants to draw you near from afar. That's the message. That's how it applies to you. Don't think about it any more than that. God is trying to draw you near to him. And those of us who God has directed our steps, he's still drawing you. He's still giving signs directing your life and directing my life. And in this Christmas season where we think about Emmanuel and we think about God with us, it's a good time to reset our priorities and, and, and reevaluate our life and say, what is it that's holding me back? God, I know God has been faithful to show me what to do. What's stopping me from doing it? And this is a good time to reflect. As, as you get vacation time, I encourage you, don't book your schedule up. You ever gone on one of those? You ever, some of you people, there's two kinds of vacationers, right? There's the there's there's the kind that they want to get the most out of their vacation, so they have an agenda from 6 in the morning to 11 o'clock at night, and then you have to wake up early to get the free breakfast and then get on the tour bus. <laughs> we got we to gotta enjoy the vacation. Come on, hurry up. Let's go. Let's go. You could tell where I land on that side, right? I'm not, I'm not so much into that. Vacation's like, you know, in this vacation time, use your downtime. Use your downtime to get with God, to meditate on what's important, to recalibrate, reorder, reorganize your life, your mind, your heart. Lord, what do I want to do moving forward? What is it you've been asking me to do? Where have you been leading me that I haven't been willing to go? Why? What is it that's holding me back? And, and just get... Make sure that you're following God and following his prompting and his guiding, guiding of your life. Um, it's interesting if we could put, let's, let's put the verse back up, verses um, 4. 
Matthew 2, verse 4. Here's a tip. He gathered together. This was Herod, okay? Herod, we're getting tips from Herod here. He gathered together all the chief priests and the scribes and inquired, what did the scriptures say? Why did he gather? Um, oh, verse 5. We, don't go to verse 5. I'll just tell you what it says. Verse 5 says, this is what has been written. I encourage you. One of the things that God, God wants to guide us with his spirit. And God wants to guide us with his word. His word will always agree with his spirit. And his spirit will always agree with his word. And that's the safeguard. Because sometimes we get things in our heart that are not right. And we think they're right and they're not. And that's the safeguard. That we listen to God and we go to his word to see if it agrees with his word. The Holy Spirit gives us conviction of the truth. So as we go to God's word and we hear what God is telling us in our heart, we say, wait, this lines up with God's word. I know it's God. And sometimes we have a desire and we say, I've seen people so many times say, God spoke to me. And they tell you that God spoke to them to do something that's contrary to God's word. And that'll never happen. God's word is a safeguard. God's people are a safeguard. So involve people in your life that can help you discern God's will. Involve the scribes and the Pharisees, or the Pharisees, the scribes and the chief priests. Involve the pastors. Involve people who, the leadership. Maybe it's your youth pastor. Maybe it's a brother that you know that is mature in the Lord. Have some, this guy went and he said, look, I want to know God. Even the wise men, Notice what the wise man did. He didn't say, this is the typical man story, right? Honey, why don't you ask for directions? I don't need directions. I know where it is. Honey, but why don't you ask for, no, no, I know where it is. And then, and then now in the GPS age, right? Honey, the GPS says make a left. No, no, but I know it's a right. The GPS is wrong. Sent me the wrong way last time. And men don't want to ask for directions, right? But wise men said, hey, We've come from afar. We're wise. Which way, to, where is the king of the Jews? They didn't know everything. We don't know everything. And you're not going to know everything. But wise men consult. Wise men consult other wise men. Where is the king of the Jews that we may go worship him? So be wise and consult with other godly Men and godly women. Say, look, I want to do God's will. And this is what I think God's telling me to do. What do you guys think? What does the Bible say? What has been... What is it? What, pray about it. So consult the word. And if you don't know the word because you're new, at, you're new and maybe you've only read a, you know, a couple pages in the Bible so you don't know too much about what it says, consult somebody. There's a church full of people here that can show you, look, read it here. This is what God's word says about your situation. So God guides us with his spirit. He guides us with signs. And he guides us with his word. And he guides us with people. Look at all that God provides to get us on track. The Bible says, even the fool will not lose his way. Even Though he be a fool, he will not lose his way because God provides all the safeguards if we're obedient to God. So I'm not going to talk about that much, but it's interesting to see how uh, Herod, let me see. It's interesting to see how Herod, he... Uh, he saw the signs and the scriptures. He inquired about them, and then he took action. He took aggressive action. Now, he took the wrong action. But think about this. What a, what a pattern. He, he saw that, and it says he was troubled. He believed the message when it, showed, when it was brought to him. He believed. He had the wrong reaction, but he believed. And then he inquired, and then he took action, serious action. He said, Kill every child under two. So this guy took serious action on God's word. 
after inquiring about what it meant. Now, that is not the right, the action he took was the wrong one. But the, the process that he followed was the right one. God brings you, God gives you direction, you believe it, you inquire, and then you take action. I, oh, I wrote in my notes, oh, that we would respond in like manner. Hear the word, hear the message, inquire, and go. Let's go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 19. It says, because what, what may be known of God. So there's some things we're not going to know. Isn't that kind of interesting, right? What may be known, what you can know of God, is already made evident. It's manifest to them. Why? God shows himself. God has made evident. Everything we can know about God, God has made Known to us. Next verse, please. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So they are without excuse. God shows up and God shows himself and he makes it evident. He makes it clear so that we're without excuse. We have no excuse because God speaks to us clearly what his will is and who he is and what he wants. They're without excuse. Verse 21. Romans 1, 19, 21. Please. Because although they knew, now, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. So look at this. God shows himself to us. And there's two ways to respond. You can glory. What is God looking that you do? That you glorify him. Lord. I worship you. You are above. You have. You're more important than anything else. You are of more value. Than anything else. I worship you. I glorify you, and I'm thankful. That's the response we should have. But there are those who, they don't glorify him, and they're not thankful. And because of this, when you don't glorify God and when you're not thankful, they become futile in their thoughts, and their hearts are darkened. Now, here's what's powerful about this. You may not believe the first half of that verse because it sounds too spiritual and, you know, too much. We're talking about glorifying God, which I don't even know if I believe in him, and being thankful to a God, what has God done for me. But look at what the result is. Because of that, you become futile in your thoughts, and your foolish hearts are darkened. You guys know anyone with futile thoughts? You ever found yourself in a time in your life where you said, my thoughts don't even make sense. One day I'm up, the next day I'm down. I have a plan, and I find out six months later the plan was the worst thing I should have done. You become futile in your thoughts. You become your own worst enemy sometimes. You guys know anyone like that? You guys ever found yourself thinking futile thoughts? Thoughts of no value, thoughts that give you no benefit? Futile means no that there is no result, there's no benefit at the end of them. And this is the result of hardening our heart and not glorifying God. They became futile in their thoughts and their hearts were darkened. That's the other thing. Depression in this, this time of year is when depression sinks in the most. Why does depression sink in? Why do our hearts become darkened? It says because we don't glorify God. And because we don't thank him. You want to get out of depression? Start to glorify God. 
You want to get out of depression? Start to thank God. Stop thinking about what you don't have and start thinking about what God has done for you. Stop, um, stop exalting your own plans as if they were the most important and glorify him. Say, God, I know I don't have what I want. I know things are not going the way that I want, but I want to do your will. I'm not going to glorify my plans. I'm not going to exalt my plans above yours. I'm going to put all that aside and say, God, you are God, you alone, and I just want to do whatever makes you happy. I just want to do whatever you think is right. You start to glorify God, and you start to give thanks to him, and your thoughts will be, he will start to order your thoughts. A lot of us are here for that reason. We, we came to God with a mess, in, a, a mess in our thoughts and a real dark heart. And, the, you know, depression, I have family members that have depression, and, and, and it's, it's a dark pit. It's a dark pit. And, and God tells us how we get there, and God tells us how we get out. God is good, and he's faithful, and he loves you, which is why he's giving us this understanding so glorify God and thank him so that he'd order your thoughts and bring joy to your heart. Amen. Acts 17.22. I'm going to try to go through this kind of quickly. Paul stood in... Aropagus and said, men of Athens, I observe that you're very religious in all aspects. I'm going to go quickly, so just kind of thumb through these. Uh, we'll go straight through. Um, let's go back to the beginning, and then I'll run through it. Thank you very much. Whoever you're back, whoever's back there, you're gonna, I'm going to give you an award when we're done. So Paul stood in the, midst, in the midst of Aropagus and said, men of Athens, I observe that you're very religious in all aspects. I see that you're very religious. For while I was passing through and examining your objects of worship, I noticed you had an altar that said, to an unknown God. These guys were worshiping what they didn't know. And many of us find ourselves praying to God, even though we feel like we don't know, we don't know him. Therefore, the next, uh, still same verse. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, look at God's faithfulness. These guys were worshiping in ignorance. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. That God, the God who made the world and all the things in it, is, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, doesn't dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives life and breath to all things. And he made from one man every nation and mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and boundaries of their habitation. Stop right there. God pre-appointed the times... And the boundaries of their, of their dwelling or their habitation. Why was I born in Miami? Why was I born in Cuba? Why was I born in Switzerland? Switzerland or Germany? Germany? But you live in Switzerland, right? That's a cool place, right? Why was I born in Germany? Why do I live in Switzerland? Why do I live in Sweetwater? Why, God? <laughs> Hi, Aliyah Memorial. The Bible says, God appointed, determined the times and the boundaries of your habitation. Why can't I move to Miami? I want to go to Ocala. I want to go to Montana where people leave me alone. God appointed the times and the boundaries of your dwelling. Next verse. Here's why. Why did God put me here? So that you would seek the Lord. God put you where you're at. Why am I in this mess? Why do I have this wife? Why do I have this husband? Why, why do I have this job? God put you, he pre-appointed where you are that you would seek him. In the hope, he knew that it wasn't a sure thing. Why did he know? Because he gives us free will. He doesn't want robots. So he puts us in a situation and he gives us free will that they would seek him in the hope that they might. Notice God puts it in us. He puts us in a situation, and then he says, it's kind of like with your kids. You put them in a situation, you, don't, you know why you're putting them there, but you don't know what they're going to do. You're like, hmm, I want to see what he does now. Let me see how he responds. 
You put it in the hope that they might grope for him. You know what grope is? When you're in the dark and you're trying to find something so that you don't stub, you want to find the couch or the, the bed so you don't stub your toe. You're groping for him. That they might grope for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. Emmanuel, God is with us. God put everything in your life, pre-appointed and designed, that you would seek him. And he's not far away. Next verse, please. Actually, I think we finished with that. Verse 28. For in him we live and move and exist. As even some of your own poets have said, we are his children. Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that his divine nature is like gold or stone or an image formed in, by the art and thought of man. This is not religion. You're God's child. And this is not something that came from the thought of man. This is the something that came from God's heart, that you would be his child. It's not the thought of man or man's devising. My translation's a little different, but thought of man is the same as man's devising. Man did not devise this idea of Christ. This was God's heart. It wasn't man's idea to draw near to God. It was God's idea to draw man near to him. And so God is setting the stage for you. He gives you the direction. He gives you the signs that you would follow them. Let's go to, we're going to close with Revelations chapter 3. Because you say, why is it that we don't follow God, by the way? Why is it that we don't seek when we, when we see the signs, when we see what God is, when we see that God is directing us, why don't we follow? Because you say I am rich, having become wealthy and have need of nothing, because we've become comfortable, you do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Because you said, I don't need God. Because, not, and you, you know, you haven't said, I don't need God. You just, you said, you know what? I can, say, I can stay right here. This is not so bad. Because I've become rich and wealthy and have need of nothing, and do not, you do not know that you're poor, that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Verse 18. I counsel you. This is God speaking. I count, God is counseling you. You know, they call attorneys counsel, right? And you see, you watch the movies, counsel approach the bench. You hire an attorney, right? To give you some, some counsel, to advise you. It says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. How many of you know that he's not talking about physical gold? He's saying, I counsel you to go after what's of real value. The greatest men in the world are not men of wealth. The greatest men in the world were not men of great wealth. They were men of principle. And the greatest of those were men of God. He says, you think you're rich, but the riches you have are worthless. That's why it says you're poor and wretched. It says, I count, God is giving you counsel. Here's my recommendation. Buy, obtain that which is of real value. Ref gold refined in the fire so that you'll be rich and buy white garments that you may be clothed and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. In other words, ask God, Lord, help me to have the right perspective. He's saying, you think you can see, but you're blind. Lord, give me the right perspective. Cleanse my eyes, the, the eyes of my heart and the eyes of my Understanding that I would look at things from your perspective. Verse 19. 
As many as I love, this is God, this is Jesus. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Remember he started by saying, I counsel you. I counsel you. Therefore, be zealous. God doesn't want indifference. God doesn't want you to cruise in life. We want to cruise. I love cruise control. My foot gets tired of having my foot on the pedal. I love cruise control in my car. God doesn't want us to cruise through life. It says, therefore, be zealous. This is God's heart. I, I counsel you, be zealous and repent. Identify those areas that are holding you back. This is a good time. Like I said, the year is winding down. You have some more time to yourself. Don't fill your schedule with, don't fill your schedule. Repent. Take time. You can't repent. You can't repent. Repentance is something that is a decision from your heart. It requires meditation. It requires a decision. It requires determination. It's not a switch. You have to, it's a purpose. It's a long-standing determination. Be zealous and repent. Verse 20. Be, behold. One translation says, here I am. Here I am, God says. Where? At the door. I stand and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes. You're not done yet. If you've been walking with the Lord, you're not finished yet. Be zealous for what? You have to overcome. You have to take it to the finish line. To him who overcomes, I will grant him to sit on my throne. We still have to overcome, guys. We still have a long way to go. As I also overcame with my father and sit on his throne. Verse 22. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We can be on our feet this morning. If you have an ear to hear what God has said today, if God has spoken to you and it's clear to you that God has spoken to you, as the, as the um, worship team plays a song and worships the Lord, we're going to open up the altar for you to respond to God. Just say, God, I heard you and I want to follow. To you who has ears to hear, to hear. If God spoke to you today, come to the altar and just say, God, I want to follow. I want to follow you. If you don't know the Lord, if this is the first time you hear a message like this and you understood that God is calling you, we want you to please come forward to the altar. Just come up here as a sign that God... I want to respond. I want to follow that sign. And as they worship, you just say, God, I'm here responding in my heart. I'm going to give you my mind. I'm going to give you my, my time. I want to follow you. I want you to guide me, Lord. I want to open the door. One more minute for anyone who wants to open the door. The Lord is at the door knocking. Amen. The Lord is at the door knocking. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Just have some time with God and say, you and, you and God, and tell him what's on your heart. Lord, I respond. Help me. Help my unbelief. Give me zeal. Give me zeal, Lord. I repent right now.
I repent from my indifference that's kept me comfortable and not following the direction that you've brought to my life. I glorify you, Lord. I glorify you and I thank you and I ask you to order my heart and order my thoughts. Take out the darkness from my heart, Lord. Bring your light. Put it in my heart, Lord. I thank you. I'm going to thank you and glorify you, Lord. Your ways are better than mine and I surrender. And I pray that as I surrender, that your light would shine in my heart and that I would be led by you. That you would wash my eyes with the eye salve. That, that you would give me a, your perspective on things. Hallelujah.